midst. Thank you, Lord. We gather under your name, under your truth. You are our Savior and our God and our Father. Thank you. Thank you for your love in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That even if their hearts fail them, you're the strength of their hearts forevermore. I pray for your supernatural grace to be in this room, to lift their souls out of the miry clay. Lift them, Lord, so they can truly follow you and walk with you without any hindrances or any more delays. I pray for your spirit of grace to lift them to where you're seated at the right hand of God, so are we. I pray this prayer for each one, Lord, that they are lifted today and they walk truly before you. We worship you, Lord, because that is the greatest way we can worship you, is that when our life is aligned with you, Thank you, Jesus. We remember everything you've done at the cross. And we also remember and confess your second coming. We worship you, Lord. Prepare us so we can be true to you. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Jesus, you get all the glory for everything you've done and you're going to do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for confirming everything that Jesus promised. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can, can we put it up a little bit more, please? Oh, well. So, is there any more lights can we put on? Or? <laughs> Let there be light. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Uh, <clears throat> but we thank Jesus for what he's done in this place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Who's ready to be fed today? Amen. How much did we learn from last week about the power of offense? Yes, we learned. It's good. Today's a bit different. So I want to share how I got here. I have a lot to share, so I have to be careful which way I go. So the Holy Spirit showed me uh, the next step, the next step after offense of what naturally takes place when you're offended. Does anyone remember the three principles? Offended at who? God? Uh, sorry. God? Offended at church and non-believers? And then number three? Offended at the process. The Holy Spirit wanted me really to hit home with how many people indirectly are offended at the process. And it's very true. <clears throat> but he also showed me 
the next result or the next fruit, when you're offended, what naturally gets attacked in your spiritual journey? Can anyone answer that? Not the ones that are shared, the ones that I that don't know. So what do you think, reflect a bit about your life now. What do you think the next principle after offense is when those three principles take place in your life? Offended at God, offended at the church and non-believers and offended at the process. What do you think the next step follows when offense creeps into your life? What is really attacked in your life? So who said prayer life? Hands up. Very good. So you must have been offended before. <laughs> you walked into that one. <laughs> so it's good. Very good. So your prayer life is attacked naturally. It begins to decrease. We all agree with that? So now you can begin to detect hidden offense where naturally you let go of God because of offense. Isn't that true? When we don't get our way, we're selfish people, when we don't get our way, we naturally let go of the very thing in a way to attack. Just think about that. How many people here are offended with those three procedures? And naturally, the way that you show God that you're offended, which is so subtle to you, you, your prayer life begins to decrease. Wow. So I said, okay, I'm going to talk about prayer. Then the Holy Spirit stops me. He said, you can't talk about prayer without showing them first the blockages of prayer. So here I am. So, welcome. Welcome. There's probably 10 foundational principles that blocks a prayer from your life. 10. And we know the simple one. Everyone says it. Does anyone know it? The most simple one that blocks your prayer? Unforgiveness. We all talk about that. But let's go somewhere deeper to see if we tick any of these boxes. Because the whole point of you coming here is for you to see your heart. The only, the only reason I prepared this is for you to see your heart and begin to advance with Christ. Nothing else. Nothing drives me but to see you see in your heart so you can actually change. This is what drives me to bring these messages. And really, it's how Jesus drives us to actually see him more and more. So... We've got the microphone. We've got a microphone. I might get someone to walk around. Can someone walk around? Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. <clears throat> what do you think... Now, I want to work the crowd today. But just, just a, a little sentence, not a whole paragraph. Not having a go at anyone, but just because. What do you think the first blockage is to not getting your prayers answered? N now, this is a. Sorry. 
Take it easy, take it easy, take it easy. <laughs> well. Now this is the most, I'll probably say this is the hidden trait of offense and pride. This one here. But I'll let you answer it. What do you believe a major blockage is to getting your prayers answered? It's very simple. This is not spiritual revelation. It's very simple. So what do you think is the first and major stumbling block to not getting your prayers answered? Number one. So you need a, so I got a microphone. So, so, so what did you say? Yeah, so come, Monsieur. Sir. Very good. Very simple, but you have to hear. So you can say your response. If you didn't ask, you, didn't, you don't get in Is James. the microphone on? It's on? Yeah. Sorry. Um, so if you didn't ask, you don't get. It's in James 1.5, I think. Very good. You have not because you've asked not. Yeah, very good. So let's go there. Give her a clap, please. <laughs> very good. First time someone gets a response, first time. <laughs> first time. Oh, no, she got it too. So today we got grace today. <laughs> okay. So the greatest hidden offense and pride is expecting God to know what you need, which he does, by you not say nothing. God knows what I'm going through. He needs to answer the greatest attack on God through pride and offense because you think God needs to know everything about you. So you don't say anything and everything begins to ramp up in you where the enemy begins to attack you and throw all the arrows at you. The most simplest one is you don't ask God. And isn't it interesting? I'll read the scripture. Can we go to James 4 too, please? Now, we're going to hit different levels with the 10 principles of why your prayers are blocked. Different levels. Everyone will get something. And if you don't get something, I can't help you. So, isn't it just a scripture? Or you have to read it like that? Okay. So, number two. It says, you are jealous and covet what others have, and your lust goes unfulfilled, so you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy, so you fight and battle. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, isn't it interesting that naturally, when you get into a routine or a habit where you don't ask God, naturally you'll cover your brother or your sister. Isn't that interesting? So a person who's not trained to pray and have, have a relationship and to communicate with the Lord about the things that they need, whether it be mental, spiritual, physical, whatever it be, naturally covetousness is obtained where you begin to look and cover at your brother or sister for what they have from Christ. Isn't that a lesson? Now, this is, simp this is simple teaching, but isn't that a lesson? That naturally, a person who, is, who does not pray, his eyes are wondering on everyone else what they are getting. And that's the, the root of someone being envious and jealous. 
Isn't that interesting that a person who's envious or jealous, he lacks prayer? Because if you do pray, you would actually receive from the Lord. And naturally, that door of envy and jealousy and coveting your brother or sister for whatever he has from God would go away. Isn't that a lesson for us? Now, number two, it's the next verse. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll finish here. So let's stay with you don't receive because you don't ask God. Let's go to Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Now, this is something. This is something that I can testify of day and night prayer through all my struggles, and Jesus came. Let's read it. This is a parable on persistent prayer. So now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. Saying in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and had no respect for man. There was a desperate widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, Give me justice and legal protection for my, from my adversary. For a time he would not, but later he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will give her justice and legal protection. Go up all the way, please. Right, stop. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will be intolerable annoyance, and she will wear me out. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not our just God defend and avenge his elect? His chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Will he delay in providing justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? Isn't that interesting? That what type of faith is God looking for? Persistent prayer. But isn't that interesting? It's talking about not giving up and not losing heart. That prayer is the gate for you to never give up or to lose hope. And it shows you the greatest uh, strike that Satan strikes you with is to offend you and to make things hard for you and weary you out so your prayer life is attacked. Because if he can disconnect you from communication, you have no more power. You have no more power. But this topic is different. This is showing you why your prayers don't get answered. We go quickly to Matthew 21, 22. We've read these scriptures a thousand times, but I'll read them. (coughs) 
he says, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So is that in the New King James Version? Yes? Okay. All right, go to Matthew 7, 7, quick. Now here it says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So you see, the first gateway for you to communicate with the Lord Jesus Christ is to establish yourself in speaking to Him. The greatest issue in our prayer life is that when we're going through battles and struggles, which some people can't bear, they're weary, they're tired, they're frustrated, they're going through so much, God knows what I need. He, he should come to my aid. The greatest hidden offense in pride. Where we slowly deteriorate and slowly lose our fire and zeal for the Lord. So, just a point I want to make. Whatever you need, whatever you need, you make it clear to Him. Make it very clear to Him. Even if there's many prayers that you need, make it clear to him. That's what I done. I read a, I read a page of the things that I needed the Lord to restore me and heal me and deliver me from. The Bible says to let your request be known to God. Be anxious for nothing. We, we quote those scriptures. You're, you have to be established in what you need from the Lord. And they will come. Now it was interesting when I first saw the Lord. Even my tears, the first encounter I had with the Lord Jesus when he came to me in a vision, it was beautiful. But what he said to me really uh, allowed me to explode in his love. He said, every tear you cried, I had it in the palm of my hand. Even the tears were, were put for him. I cried to him. I didn't cry about my situation. I didn't cry to myself. I didn't cry victim. Oh, poor me and woe me. I cried to him. Very important. <clears throat> Number two. You're asking. You're asking now through selfishness and lustful motives. Could we go back to James 4.3 please? It says you ask God for something and do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda so that when you get what you want you may spend it on your hedonistic desires. So look at that. Verse 2, you don't receive because you don't ask God. Verse 3, you ask and the world is still living in you. Isn't that interesting that before you pray you should really look deep inside your heart and be honest with the Lord before you 
start speaking all these words to him? Isn't it interesting because he already knows what you're going to say before you speak it. But isn't it interesting that you can pray and not be heard? Isn't it interesting that prayer was designed to actually speak from the heart? Where you can actually see your own heart and speak the truth to him? So before I went on praying and investing all the time in prayer, I really searched my heart through the word of God to see what's actually really living inside of me. Very important you know this. Because at the end you want your prayers to be answered. Right? How many people here are stuck? Simple. Simple teaching. Some, some, some people tell me, you know, like, which book do I read when my prayers don't get answered? Book of James. Which book do I read when I'm getting disciplined by God? Book of Hebrews. So you get to know the scriptures very quickly of which book targets the area that you're in. Which book do you read for leadership? I can't tell you. <laughs> but I'll just share with you how I got to know the scriptures for my own heart. I got to know the scriptures from my own heart. The Bible says too much honey and you vomit it out. Honey is the word of God. I got to know the word of God from my own heart. And I really wanted to communicate with the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And I did. But I got to know my own heart before I opened my mouth. There was so much confessing. So much confessing. Because I got to see my own heart. And the Holy Spirit gives you that. He lets you see if you really want to see. Now, number three. The Holy Spirit wants me to spend time here. Are you ready? So normally the Holy Spirit hits some areas where I feel like where I feel like the church, the condition of the church is here. He wants me to spend some time. Are you ready? Let's go. James chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. Isn't it interesting? We're all in the book of James now. James chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. <clears throat> now here, he talks about, but he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to expect any, not to expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels or decides. Now another, another roadblock. Number three, the big one. So the word doubting here, the word doubting, I thought that was trumpets. Or <laughs> the word doubting is in the, in the KJV, in the Esau, is wavering. And that word is dikarino. 
Di Akarana. Like that. So it's Strong's. Now you've got to listen to this. Now this is a really begins to speak to hearts. That word, um, that, sorry, the Strong's is 1252 for all that is following. Are we ready? So number one, you don't ask because you don't, you don't receive because you don't ask the Lord. Number two, the world is still living in you and you are trying to substitute God's will for your own pleasures. Number three, this one here. The church, if I was to say where the church is struggling, it's this area here because our people pray. Now, number one, now please just be comfortable or maybe not. To pause in your journey. It's the first definition of wavering. Well, okay, let's close in prayer and we go. <laughs> to pause in your journey. That's what wavering means. Number two, to be a fence sitter. Sitting on the fence. Remember, the fence belongs to the devil. Okay, another one. To have debates in your heart regarding fully following Christ. Mm. To have second thoughts about following Christ. That's the word wavering. Now we read it and you say, I believe you, Jesus, I'm following you. It's a bit deeper than you think. To have uncertainty in your heart. Now we're getting a bit now we're getting a bit closer now. Now we're hitting some nerves now. Are you ready? To have no determination to seek Jesus Christ with all your heart. Now the Holy Spirit wanted me to focus in this area because he wants us to change. Now, Jesus sees that as wavering if you tick any of those boxes. To have no determination in your heart regarding following Christ. You may be a victim of this, but you can change. But I'm just showing you what Scripture actually means. To continuously have, hev have hesitations regarding your walk with Christ. To delay your journey and the will of God in your life. I think some people today, they have to wake up. And it's the truth. To feel an unwillingness to follow Christ. To feel an indecisiveness regarding your journey. Also, the word wavering means procrastination. 
Procrastination, which defines as a state or a habit or an instance of being slow or late about doing something that should be done. I read it again. Procrastination, which defines as a state or a habit, a habit or an instance of being slow or late about doing something that should be done. To store, bringing your journey to a standstill. A person who is idle, who is lazy regarding their journey with Christ. Now James talks about that, having a doubtful heart, expect to receive nothing from the Lord. That person is not seeking Jesus with all their heart. And for the ones who say they seek him with all their heart, be very careful. Another one. Another... These two major points here. Holy Spirit focus, what I just spoke about, and this one here. You pray out of a critical heart where you boast in yourself, look down on others, and compare yourself to others where you're not heard from God. Let's go to Luke quickly. We'll go to Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. Remember, this topic is about why your prayers are not getting answered. Isn't that interesting that the one that I just spoke about has to do with commitment, your commitment with God? This one has to do with your character and your personality. God sees everything. He sees everything, but he's waiting to come. Come inside every place of what's inside your heart and help you. But this is the greatest danger here, because both of them are praying only one got heard. And sometimes you can be advanced in the Lord and many years in the Lord and naturally do this out of a Pharisee spirit destroyed so many Christians today. Isn't it interesting that the man who spoke to God, the only thing he said was, Lord, have mercy. Isn't it interesting that our prayer life has to begin like this? The Bible says we can enter the throne of grace to receive help, grace, mercy in time of need. The only way we can contact the Lord Jesus Christ is through his mercy. And if it's through his mercy, we cannot look down on anyone. Right? It's true. Never look down on anyone. Doesn't matter what they've done. There is order in God's church and order in uh, people's hearts. But we can never look down on anyone or compare ourselves to anyone. The greatest dangers...
He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves and were confident that they were righteous, posing outwardly and as upright and in right standing with God, and who viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple enclosure to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood unsentiously and began praying to himself in a self-righteous way, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of man, swindlers, unjust, dishonest, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I pray tithes all I get, but the tax collector standing at a distance would not even raise his eyes towards heaven, but was striking his chest in humility and repentance, saying, God, be merciful and gracious to me, especially the wicked sinner that I am. I tell you, I tell you, this man went to his home justified, forgiven of the guilt of sin, and placed in right standing with God rather than the other man. For everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled. But he who humbles himself, forsaking self-righteous pride, will be exalted. Amen. So, let's look at this one. Number one, the pharisaical spirit will hinder spiritual growth. This is the first point. By focusing on an outward appearance and rules rather than genuine transformation that comes from relationship with Jesus, we read it. We go to Matthew 23, 27. Now, this is not a comfortable scripture. He's talking about full of dead man's bones. But let's just read what Jesus says. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. I think I was, I was quoting the other scripture too. Yeah, can we go to 28, please? Just let me check, please. No, we've stopped it. Stopped it. Next one. I think it's in the other notes. Next one, the pharisaical spirit causes, divina- uh, causes division within the church. It often leads us, it leads us in, a, in a place of a competitive spirit, mentally, and mentally it can create conflict as some believers may view themselves as more righteous or deserving of God's favor than others. And Jesus warned against this. Go quickly to... Luke 18, 9 to 14, please. I want to just read this, please, just to get it across to you. So, so, sorry. Sorry, I made a mistake. 
I just read that scripture. We go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 2. The the pharisaical spirit damages personal relationships. This can happen both within and outside the church. This is because those with the spirit may judge others harshly, demand perfection, and lack empathy and understanding towards others. So we read this scripture how many times? says, judge not that, you not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We go to the next one. The Pharisee spirit. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is a key, is a key characteristic of the Pharisee spirit. This attitude leads to a belief that one's own actions, beliefs, or religious practices are superior to those of others. Luke 18, verse 11. So I read that whole scripture before, but that's the cross-reference. We don't have to quote that one. Next one, hypocrisy. Matthew 23, verse 3. Jesus often rebuked the Pharisees for the hypocrisy as they were more focused on appearing righteous than on actually living righteously. It says, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. So this is all the fruits of a Pharisee spirit. Last one, legalism. Focus on strict adherence to religious rules and regulations, often at the expense of genuine faith and love. 23, Matthew 23, verse 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have without leaving the others undone. Okay, so we're finished from that now. We'll go to the next point. The next point. The dangers of praying to impress others, to draw attention to yourself and to show others how religious you are and how close you are to God. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, please. Now, we've probably read these scriptures so many times, but anyone can fall into this. And when you pray, 
you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Next one, please. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Next one. The dangers of praying and ignoring the scriptures, commands, and statutes of God where your prayers are blocked. Could we go to Proverbs 28, verse 9? I'm just going to get one verse from the Old Testament and then two from the New. It says here, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer is an abomination. Isn't that interesting that your prayer life has to be linked with the Word of God? So, so many people tell me, what's the greatest way that, that I can pray? The greatest way you can pray is pray the Word of God. Other than praying in the Spirit, is praying the Word of God. Very powerful. So how many people here pray the scriptures into existence? The flesh profits nothing. John 669, uh, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they are the spirit and the life. The word. What does the Holy Spirit follow? He follows the word. Because the greatest dangers we can pray when we're going through some battles or struggles or challenges is to pray f by the emotions or pray by our natural situation. Very important that we pray the Word of God. Heaven and earth pass away. My words will never. Faith comes by. Very important that you establish a prayer life that is dictated by the word alone. Now this is this topic is to get your prayers answered, but it's to see the wall that unfortunately has come between you and the Lord. Now faith comes. So guess what I did then? When I knew that faith comes and God can answer me. I spent a lot of time looking and hearing what's actually inside of my heart. The greatest danger is that when we invest so much time in prayer and we don't have a deep reflection of what's actually in our heart, where there's unbelief, where there's worry, there's confusion, there's control. I confess those things before the Lord, before I actually asked Him for the things that I need. I spent a lot of time 
addressing the Lord about my heart. Now, this is a simple teaching, but it actually gives such a great result. Because at the end, you want the Lord Jesus to hear, right? We're here to know how the Lord Jesus hears, hears our prayers and speaks to us. I spent a lot of time reflecting on my heart. And then I prayed. And then he spoke to me. Nothing's changed. <coughs> Nothing's changed in my journey. First John chapter 3, verse 22. And it says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commands, commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, isn't it interesting that a way that God answers our prayers, if he sees us following his truths and keeping them in our lives. Now, the most important thing in your life is your journey with Christ, right? Imagine you pray and you feel blocked. Imagine you pray and you feel a wall. Imagine you pray and you feel restricted. Imagine you pray and there's always a delay. Is it meant to be like this? It's not meant to be like this. God wants to bring sound doctrine into our hearts with the Holy Spirit. The level of awareness that he wants us to have is great. He wants us to be aware of how to actually please him. John fifteen seven. <coughs> so the dangers of praying and ignoring the scriptures. Last one, John fifteen seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. <clears throat> okay. Number seven, praying with unforgiveness in your heart where your prayers are blocked. We'll go quickly have a look at it. Mark 11, 25, 26. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Number eight. This is a very common one. Praying with unconf unconfessed sins of which you refuse to repent from. So I'll repeat it out again. Praying with unconfessed sins of which you refuse to repent from. Psalm 66, verse 18 to 19. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. 
but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Now the Lord knows everything. Everything. It's not healthy to fall into a pattern of condemnation and guilt and unworthiness where you punish yourself so much. Jesus knows. Bring it to him, receive healing, receive forgiveness, receive deliverance and walk. In the beginning of my journey, I valued what his word actually said when I was caught in things that, that I was struggling with in the beginning of my journey, I'd pray. And I would know that when I've left his presence or his throne room, that I'm forgiven, never to be brought up anymore. He's forgiven me. That's it. it's, it's, it's sealed and it's dealt with at the cross. I move on now. It's very important that when you do confess your sins, you're actually washed from it. Put on that new mind which he has given you so you can be free. That's faith. <clears throat> That's faith. He's believing in what his word actually says. That he's forgiven you. That he's washed you. Satan wants you to punish yourself. Especially for the past. Now, interesting one. I said I'll throw it in there. How many people are married here? <laughs> Everyone close your eyes. Praying while mistreating your wife where your prayers are hindered. Let's not do blame games now. Let's just listen. Already everyone, everyone starts. Praying while mistreating your wife. Now this is really to deal with the man. Now all the men are getting up now, leaving. Yep. Tony's going. <laughs> uh, so praying while mistreating your wife, your prayers are hindered. Okay. Go to First Peter chapter three, verse seven. Husbands, so the spotlight's off the wives, we say husband. But if your husband's not saved, yeah, I won't get there. <laughs> if your husband's not saved, it's different. Because you know Christ. You can love him out of Christ. And show him Christ, but that's different. I'm not picking on anyone now, please. So husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder prayers. 
Okay, everyone's screaming, everyone's screaming. <laughs> Is that Maddie? No, oh, it's not Maddie. Maddie, not, Maddie, not married yet. <laughs> Is that your one? All right. Okay, this is a very, this is one that no one looks at, but I'm going to say it. Holy Spirit said something to me during the week, <clears throat> but I'm going to show you this one. Praying while ignoring the poor. Praying while ignoring the poor, your prayers will not be answered. Now, let's say you're put in a circumstance and, <laughs> and those people, the poor, those who are, they have no food, they have no house, whatever. But we don't like to read that scripture. Can I say it like this? When you know Christ, it's very hard to walk past them and not do something. But even deeper than that, if you can walk past the poor and not do anything, then Christ hasn't really touched your life. And that's the truth. Because compassion would allow you to run to their aid and actually help them. Right? So by you walking past someone who's in need, whether it be your family member, whether it be people in the church, whether it be the people struggling outside, shows the level of Christ that is actually in you. The Holy Spirit showed me that people in this church are going to get promoted in their work and they're going to start to get blessed by the Lord. But he said to me, make sure they are rich to me and they are givers to me. Because whatever God blesses you with, yes, it's to show his kindness and his goodness and his love towards you, but also to give back to those who are actually in need. Now, we go to First John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. Ah, oh, sorry, sorry. I want to finish that scripture off. Proverbs 21, 13. But we can't read that, right? You see, you've got to take the whole scripture together. We've got to take all the scripture together. Now, by the grace of God in Brazil, they, um, they received the money and they have started work yesterday on that house. Praise the Lord. But I'll share, but I'll share with you. Um, by the grace of God, we can do much more. Hmm. We can do much more. And there's probably three assignments that God's given me um, in Zambia and in Bangladesh and in Brazil that we are to do. But I'm just showing you the heart that God wants us to have. So those who shut their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered well. 
when the disciples left each other, or the apostles left each other, they agreed on one thing only. Does anyone know what it is? When the apostles, someone says, you're reading the uh, Old Testament. Okay. In the Acts of the Apostles, when they went from around the world, they all separated, they decided on one principle. You know what it was? To remember Paul. Nothing's changed if you want to really know. I'll finish off with this scripture and then I'll share something that's very deep to my heart. <coughs> First John chapter 5 verse 14 and 15. I'll share a little bit about this maybe next week. It says, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now I'm going to be speaking next week about the will of God throughout the New Testament. But can I share something with you that's very dear to my heart? And I'll finish off with it. <laughs> I thought to myself, it's not fair. It's not fair that I shared with some people of the week, the week that I gave my car to a man that God chose to give. So as you know, I gave my youth, not to speak too much about it, but I gave my car, I don't know how many months ago, six months ago or seven months ago. But I, but I gave my youth to a man that the Lord told me to give it to him. Now, I want to share this with you. Because you, you'll see God so bigger in this. And I didn't share it with anyone till last week. I shared it with a few people. Some people asked me, you sure you heard from God? And, and I'm, not here, I'm not here to say it to silence anyone. But I'm here to tell you what the Holy Spirit said to me. Now, in that week, in that week when the Holy Spirit showed me that man three times, I was in a seven-day or ten-day fast, and the Holy Spirit showed me that man. But he took me to my whole life. Now, when I was going through depression, when I was going through anxiety, as a, as a young child, I was probably... 10 years old, 11 years old, I would always think, because my father started to take me hunting at that time, hunting and fishing. I always used to think that whenever I go through any battle or any struggle in my life, I'm going to look for a car that's very good to tour around Australia to go hunting and fishing all I can so I can forget everything I went through. Now, no one knows this, but I'll share with you why the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the depth that he did. Now, every time I went through brokenness, broken promises from my father, and such a hardship in my family, I was like the sponge that took everything in. Um, I was a person that cherished that pain that my family was going through in my heart. And the only way I'll, I can escape 
is when I get older, I'm going to get a car to travel and to go fishing and go hunting and tour and forward driving as much as I can so I can forget the pain. This is how I used to think. So the moment I got older and started to work, I purchased my dream car to do that very thing. And when I purchased that car, when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, he said to me this. He said, I want to take you back and show you all the things that you said and all the things that you felt in your heart about what that car, what that car meant to you. He goes, I want to show you what that car actually meant to you. And he said, can I tell you something? He said, I want to be that person for you now. He said, I want to be that one for you now. He says, but in order for me to be that one for you, you have to release your car. And I said, okay, I'll release it, Lord. And I can't tell you what happened to my heart that day I released it. Now, I didn't, I didn't care about car or money. I don't. God knows. But it was my deepest desire that allowed me to find comfort in something other than Christ. And Christ told me, in order for me to be that person, you have to release it to that man. And I released it with such a joy. And I can't tell you, my heart exploded from that day with more of Christ in my heart. And it's very important that you know this. I shared with some people a couple of days ago that your own strength can be your God. Where as long as I'm strong, I can provide and do whatever I've got to do for my family. Your own strength can be your God. How many people, their God is their strength? Or how many people, their family or their children is their strength? Or how many people here, where their health is their strength? The Holy Spirit showed me that through my car, that there are many uh, gods that are taking the place of Jesus. And for me, it was, unfortunately, something where I knew to escape that pain and look at a brighter future. And the Holy Spirit said, I want to be that one for you. Isn't that beautiful? So someone will think, now, did I really hear from God? Believe me, I heard. But he didn't only let me release something, he filled me up with something greater. He filled me up with something that nothing can <laughs> purchase in this world. And it was interesting that after that, my journey excelled, really excelled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of money or the car? No. It's because I released the greatest idol in my heart was my pain, my hurt. That was my idol, not the car, my pain and my hurt. I released it to Christ. Because that was my dream. I let my dream go for Christ. And I share with you here, you know, <coughs> your God can be your health. Your God can be how hard you work. And I shared it with the people that were listening. Your God can be your children. Your God can be your status. 
Your God can be even how much you pray. Your God can be how much you pray. Your God can be how much you read. Your God can be how much you operate in this place for the Lord. Your God can be anything other than Jesus. Jesus has to be enough. The only thing he said to me, I want to take that place. He took that place. He took that place. Jesus wants to be enough. Not how much you can pray, not how much you can fast, not how much, though they're all important, not how much you can do for Christ. Your strength and your foundation is Jesus himself. But in order for him to be that one for me, I had to let go of the deepest things that I never saw before, but he showed me. So you can begin to see someone's strength and someone's true joy is the way they see all their children flourishing and maturing, which is good. But Jesus has to be that one. Because what about when all your children get attacked? You crumble, there's no foundation because Jesus is not that foundation. Or your health. Your health can be your God. Where you get sick, you crumble. There's no foundation where Jesus is that foundation. You, you get in it. So Jesus wants to be that foundation. And that's the reason why so many people are struggling because they had a, another idol or another God, even hiding behind God. So when things do, when, what, when things do get attacked, you've got no foundation to rely on because your foundation was in the blessings or the rewards or what God can give. Your foundation has to be Jesus. So when the devil, let me tell you this, Satan can never touch anything where Jesus is the foundation. Satan is not allowed to touch anything that is Jesus Christ built on. He can attack your health, where your God is your health, or where your God is your family, or God is, he can attack anything other than Jesus being that head. And I want you to know that Satan is not allowed to touch anything where Jesus is the cornerstone. Where Jesus is that one who is enough. He's not allowed to touch anything. But if your God is your health, or your God is your status, or, or your God is your children, or your God is your family, then anything that Satan, he can touch and he can attack. And the people can't pick themselves up because Jesus wasn't the head to begin with. So think about that. I had to share it. I feel like it's not fair that some people know and others people don't know. But Jesus said to himself, I want to be that one for you. Meaning he wants to replace every single thing in your heart to be that person. Is Jesus that person for you? Because he wants to be. So we'll pray now. So today, today was a very shallow uh, test.
10 principles of why your prayers get blocked. Two of them maybe have a, a weight on them. Two of them have a weight on them. But I encourage every person here that before they open their mouth to the Lord, let there be a deep reflection and a, and a deep desire to look in your heart before words are uttered. It's very important. It's a shallow, very shallow message today. And things are going to get very deep. But the most important thing that we have a relationship with the Lord, where we are in fellowship with Him, and we are communicating with Him. So I encourage every person here, whoever is stuck, when I was praying in the Spirit here, when we were worshipping, I saw a cord, a spiritual cord from the enemy, attached to people's hearts. I can only tell you what I saw. I saw a spiritual cord attached from the enemy, stopping people from walking truly with Christ. And the Holy Spirit wants to break that today. He wants to break that off people today. You don't have to live like this anymore for those who are struggling. <clears throat> because the anointing, he breaks the yoke. Any yoke that the devil has put in your life, it will be broken today. And you can be free. Open your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. And we honor you. I pray today, Lord, by your spirit of grace, that every person is restored, delivered, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray any circumstance in their lives, any trials in their life, any challenges in their life, any delays, any discouragements, any condemnations, any pain and hurt, anyone who is weary and burnt out, I pray today that they are restored and refreshed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to free those people, those who have a cord attached from the enemy, he wants to free you today. And when you come up here, show value and respect to the presence of the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit's here. And He'll deliver you. And He'll restore you. Any situation that it's you, where the cord is connected, you come to the front. praying please if everyone can keep it down and if you want to talk please go outside we're here to worship in the Lord in the Lord's presence now and to thank Jesus for all that he's going to do it's time to wake up and it's time to move forward and it's time to excel now deep things are going to come and I pray by God's grace that we are ready we are looking also to do baptisms next Wednesday. 
we will confirm on Sunday via Facebook and um, when Pastor Tony preaches. But we are looking and trying to do baptisms next Wednesday. So for all the people that are waiting, um, by God's grace, we, sh- we should be alright for next Wednesday here at 7 o'clock. Okay. If we can put the music up a little bit, please.